to the Total Car Score podcast, bringing you the world of cars from inside the car. And now your hosts, Carl Brower, Lauren Fix, and Javier Mota. Well, welcome to another show, and this is Lauren's special show. This is yeah. this is the star in regularly, but now today, Lauren here in Amelia Island, your place. You just finished your judging assignment here, and mm-hmm. you have also a special guest here, right? Yes, my special <laughs> guest is my husband Paul Fix, who is Fix Motorsports. He is. He will not say this, but I will say it. He is the number one 6566 Shelby Restore in the world. His cars are the best. They've been Franklin Mint model cars, covers of books, posters. It's been his work is amazing. And he has one here at Amelia Island, and he can give you an idea what it's like on the other side of the judging. Exactly. So here we are, like this special seg- uh, episode about Amelia Island. Uh, so Paul, tell us about it. Like you, I, I be, I've seen you here before, years before. I don't know when was the last time that you. Uh, had a car in here so two years ago and i'm still blushing from that introduction <laughs> but uh yeah two years ago we were very uh, honored to be selected uh as one of the gt cars in that class and just to be here amongst the best of the best um the east coast pebble beach if you will um, i think at some, i'm sorry to interrupt you but i think at some point it has like ameliana has to add its own name I, Don't sure. compare it to Pebble Beach. Well, no, this, this, this is, is amazing. This is true, and it's come on, you know, over over 20 years. It's built its reputation as the, you know, you could even call it the race car concourse, even for the amount of beautiful race cars here today. But we're we're very lucky a couple of years ago to an honor to to uh, show the '65 Shelby that we'd worked on for many years in our in our own restoration shop, and. Uh, You know, just to be on the lawn, it was fantastic. All the people, uh, the friendly people that were here and introducing themselves and asking questions about the car. Uh, but then the big surprise to actually win the class, get the blue ribbon and then be presented uh, with the, the award in front of the stage was something beyond compare, something that uh, everybody dreams to uh, uh, have an experience like that when they have a, a great car uh, and people appreciate that and it was an absolute fantastic experience so was this the first time that you uh, entered the contest or had you, you had that before no we were we were this was the first time that we had showed at Amelia oh, okay. we had showed in many many concourses over the all over the country uh, in many mark uh, concourses and uh, Uh, had won a lot of awards over the years with other cars we'd restored, but uh, this was the pinnacle. This was the top. Yeah. This was the big. Uh, this is the big enchilada. <laughs> so, uh, for people who are not very familiar on the requirements and how to enter a car here, I mean, first is I, I believe it like at least 25 years old or something like that. Can you explain about that? Well, it all depends on the classification, and they're very strict with the class rules. Uh, We were in the GT class, but it starts about a year previous to the event where you have to uh, prepare a portfolio with uh, the history of the vehicle, how rare it is and why people would want to see it, and uh, prepare that portfolio, send it into the uh, entrant committee, and hope that you are selected. And, uh, you know, the GT categories, you know, they split them up into years. 
and so that could be Corvettes and uh, Ferraris and Cobras and Shelbys and um, there is a, a, a wide variety of cars in our class. So two years ago when uh, when you entered the contest, how many cars were you in your class? I believe there was 10 cars in that class that particular year and it was from 1959 to 1965. So it's a very extremely strong competition. Yeah. They all deserve awards and um, I mean the best of the best is here and that's why we, we love coming to this event because it's you see a wide variety from the earliest of early cars to the the newest supercars and race cars uh, of, of years past it's just yeah. it's such a variety so lauren i assume you didn't judge two years ago right i did not judge you <laughs> this is my first year judging and it was an honor uh bill uh, offered it to me and chris brewer who runs the marketing here yeah. for a uh, real good guy and they said hey would you like to judge and i said oh yeah i'm gonna give this a shot i really love it i've judged other shows and so has paul we've judged mustang club and aaca and all kinds of other things so um so i you know i had some experience but i was part of a team with a gentleman named ralph gillies who's with fiat yeah. chrysler now stellantis and tom plazinski who's in charge of pr for bmw so it was our three-person team and this year we judged supercars so there was some really you know, i read up on everyone's history beforehand yeah you, you have to do your homework right you have to right. know what you're looking when you look go for. and talk to these people I mean, for example, there's a guy with a 288 GTO. Now, if you don't know what that is, it looks like a 308 maybe to the average person. Yeah. But when you see it, like the, like a Tom Selleck Magnum PI car, this car is a purpose-built race car underneath. And without these cars being built, there was no racing in this Group B rally group. Now, what's interesting is the guy that owns it has had it for 13 years. He does all of his own maintenance. And he ended up winning the class because there's corporate awards also. But he was one of the winners in the class super impressive the key that people actually do their own work like there's an f50 or f40 over here the guy that owns it is a doctor and yeah. this is his escape from doing medicine of course. and he loves working on the cars and uh, he was there with his daughter his son is one of the youth uh there's youth judges as well so there's been some really cool people here if you listen to vin wiki um he was here and we talked to him and we were all kind of trying to decide which is best to show because we're all kind of picking at the same cars But uh, really impressive cars. If you've never seen a McLaren F1, it's a $15 million dollar car. I saw that one. That was impressive with uh, three seats. Yeah, and you cabin. see the luggage yeah. on the side? They yeah. throw luggage underneath. It was really cool. I got a ton of pictures. But there's some really great cars, and every car here had an interesting history. Well, when uh, you entered two years ago, did you know the other cars that were competing already beforehand? And uh, you had to prepare for that? Or what, how do you prepare the car? No, you're... I was, I did not know who was going to be my competition, but I knew it was going to be strong from coming to this show uh, as an attendee for many years. I knew what the, the class was about and I knew the class was going to be difficult. I did not expect to win. Um, you know, beating Ferraris and Aston Martins, uh, that was, it was, uh, it was just a, yeah, a, a special was amazing. Yeah. Uh, but I did not know who was going to be in my class. Um, and all you can do is prepare the car the best that you can because you're competing against yourself. Uh, you know, the, the judges have to have that, that passion and know that you have that same passion and uh, it, how special the cars are. It's funny because when we were judging each car, we, were, we wanted to talk to the owner. And a lot of times they have what they call the handler. This is someone who's got a lot of money. They have the car prepped for them. They bring the car here. They show the car. And that's not the same thing as 
the person that restores it or the person yeah. that's there to show it. And we give a lot of weight to that because we believe that when you talk to the you have owner, to be involved, right? right? There's a passion. There's a guy yeah. down here who's got a, a, a Jaguar. It's a it's a supercar. The yellow one. The yellow one. Yeah, and it's one. not in the greatest condition. But he had so much. He didn't win, but he had so much passion in talking to this guy. He's like, how did you get into these cars? He had started off as a millennial. He was gaming, and now he's got his own exotic dealership, and he won't sell this car. And he wanted one in yellow. And, and the thing was, he was so passionate in talking to him. We were like, wow. That adds that, points to that. <laughs> that adds points. We gave him enthusiasm. He, you know, the car we had a lot of fitment issues. Some of it wasn't his fault. Yeah. It's the way the car was designed. So there's a design component. There's an enthusiast component. We want to see the owners there. We want to see their family there supporting them. And we thank all of them. And we really, truly appreciate their stories because every car has a really cool story. The supercar class was really much more than I expected. I saw I was another impressed. kind of interesting car, that Mercedes MNG car that, 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 yeah, that, that was, was kind of coming in. You know, it's funny. Parts, right? We walked up to this guy. Well, he had it apart like a race car and he had no shoes on. I know. And we're looking at him like, what's the deal? So we didn't say anything. We kind of mumbled to each other. And he starts telling us about the car. As we go around the other side, we now know why he's not wearing shoes. He was afraid that the bodywork would dig into the grass. <laughs> he gave up his shoes yeah. so that the bodywork wouldn't go into the grass. He goes, listen, he goes, I, I can walk barefoot for the day as long as the car is did, safe. Did that, did that give him uh, extra points or not? Uh, I think the car did <laughs> win some awards because it is a really unique piece. It's also a really okay. dangerous car. It's a very fast Mercedes. Um, that they they call them homologation cars. They have yeah. to produce a certain amount of street cars in order to go racing. Uh -huh. And this car is really, like yeah, this car is really, really, really fast. Uh, we'll have pictures on my Instagram page at Lauren Fix. I believe there's a couple other people that are part of our Car Coach Reports. They'll have Instagram pictures at Shelby Fix and at Paul Fix Three. Shelby F at Shelby yeah. F. So, so Paul, are you working another car for uh, next year, maybe? Well. Uh, I'm gonna have to get my portfolio in and hope, hope to God that I get accepted again. Uh, but yes, we are currently restoring a 1965 Shelby. It's in the paint booth as we speak. And we just embarked on uh, starting the restoration on two 66 Shelby GT350s. Uh, one with white blue stripes and the other one red with white stripes. That's cool. So hopefully we'll be here again and uh, celebrate yeah. another win. That, yeah, I, I have a gut feeling just knowing Paul. If it's done, and he says this new car is even better than the last one. Well, the last one was pretty spectacular. Excellent. Well, in the next segment, Lauren, you're going to switch hats and you now we're going to interview people from Lucid, a new electric car company uh, based in California. The cars are going to be built in Arizona. They are going to start deliveries later this year, they say. So we're going to. Nice looking cars. Yeah, nice looking cars. So we'll be back with that. Thank you, Paul. Thank and good you. luck next year, or Thank whenever that is. <laughs> yeah. Well, Lauren, here we are at Amelia Island, your favorite place for different reasons, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, love, <laughs> I love the area. I love this show because there's always really cool cars and things you have never seen before. Yeah, like this new brand, Lucid. <laughs> yeah, and we're, and? yeah, we're lucky enough to have Jeff Curry here. He is with Lucid. That's right. And uh, tell us your title and what you're doing and 
all about the car. The cars look this is fantastic, amazing. by the way. I've seen them before at the, the new studio in Miami. And yes. you have another one in West Palm in Beach, West Palm, I that's right, yes. Those so, were the two first ones in the East Coast, right? That's because exactly already right. open in LA. That's right. We have six open now. We're about to open in New York and Chicago. We'll have about 20 studios by the end of this year. So that's the retail part of our strategy. We're a direct-to-consumer brand, brand-new electric vehicle brand right out of Silicon Valley. Um, All-American company. Uh, we own and develop and, and all of our own in-car technology, the electric vehicle architecture of the car, the infotainment, everything's designed and developed in Silicon Valley. And we manufacture it then in our Greenfield EV plant in Arizona, in Casa Grande. Yeah. So you're doing I your own batteries too? Uh, we build our own battery packs and modules. So we're partnered up with a couple of uh, leading uh, battery cell providers uh, for the actual cells. Uh, we think the most important thing is to control the battery management system, the modularization of those, and then the way you manage and use the energy. So we're very focused on efficiency, and that's how we get to the world's first 500-mile electric vehicle with the Lucid Air. Yeah, that's what I've been hearing more and more as we learn about this whole uh, electric uh, new technology. I mean, we see all the electric cars as one of the themes at the show actually here. But I hear that the management, like the all the electronics that go beyond the battery, that's the important part, right? So that's, that's exactly your engineering right. team is working on. That's exactly right. On. It's really a computer on wheels now with electric vehicles. So the software that you use for the vehicles is super important to getting the maximum of the efficiency out of the cars. And then uh, managing that with the infotainment inside the vehicles too. We have a beautiful glass cockpit curved displays that wrap around you in the car. So we do, it's not a tablet on wheels. It's beautifully yeah. integrated <laughs> with the luxury interior of the car. So that's the really the, the combination that we offer is this incredible range, incredible performance. You can get up to 1,080 horsepower on wow. our top model. Um, and uh, those two things together combined with luxury electric. So that's really what I have a big question. Range. You know everyone listening is going to say, okay, this sounds totally like what I want. How right. much? Yeah, it starts at 77400 for our entry air pure model. Mm -hmm. uh, that has 480 horsepower, uh, single rear drive um, uh, configuration. And then it goes on up to our Grand Tour, our Touring and Grand Touring editions. And then the top model is called the Dream Edition. This is our launch version of the car. And this is the one that uh, is all already fully reserved and sold out. Uh, this is $169,900. That's the one that has 1,080 horsepower. I was, um, oh, go ahead. And, and then we, on the, on the mainline Grand Touring model is 800 horsepower. So that, that one's sufficient for most people. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of power. Yeah, right. so Lauren asked the, the, um, how much I guess you already answered the when. I guess it's on sale already. If you have, you said it's already sold out for the first edition. That's right. We've been uh, taking reservation for them for about the last year or so, uh, and now we're uh, continuing that process. We'll start deliveries later this year. Wow. So uh, as far as charging, tell us about the charging. And I think that's something that people, 500 miles, is really what people have been waiting for. The having that longevity to, uh, you know, I can drive this uh, for a week and not have to worry about charging it. Absolutely. And of course, charging stations, you can use whatever. But the, I guess the question is, how long does it take to charge? And, right. and tell us about all that. Yeah, that's one of the, the big things we've keyed in on is, the, is in addition to the efficiency, the idea that you can drive farther, but you can also charge faster. Uh, we offer the fastest charging of any electric vehicle. And you can have uh, add up to 300 miles in 20 minutes. Wow. So using the 350 kilowatt chargers, we're partnered with Electrify 
Wi-Fi America, who have the fastest charging network that's out there. Uh, with their plug and charge technology, you can just connect and instantly uh, get up to 300 miles in 20 minutes. I want to okay. drive one of these things. Know, How too. do I get to drive one of these well, things? <laughs> soon, very soon. We'll be, we'll be awesome. One last question, because they're starting to, uh, the, the award awards. ceremony here, so it's going to get loud here, we're the open. I saw some McLaren uh, Formula One um, power unit there. What's the connection there? Yeah, we actually, uh, Lucid actually makes the battery packs for all of the cars on the Formula E grid. Oh, so, yeah. the, so, so they the, got technology. Exactly. That's smart. You have racing history. That's right. We build all of those battery packs in-house. We really started as a battery and technology company. Uh, and that engineering, that principles are at the core of the, what we do with the vehicle. So you'll find those in all the Formula E cars on the uh, grid, including the the Porsche car that's just across the field there. Wow, okay. so that's really awesome. So if I wanted to know more about Lucid, or I wanted to test drive or order one, where do I go? You can check it out on our website at lucidmotors.com. And there we have one of the best configurators you've ever seen, where you can use gaming ray tracing technology to configure the Lucid Air uh, of your own dreams. So L-U-C-I-D motors.com. Lucidmotors.com. Well, excellent. Let's go and see if you want anything there. Let's do it. <laughs> you should. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Thanks Thank for coming. You. Here in the last segment of this uh, today's show, special edition of the Melia Island Concourse d'Elegance, we're with Mark Julius from Volkswagen. And first of all, Mark, thank you very much for bringing us here for the second time in the row because two years ago, I think it was, we came with a classic uh, collection. What was the wedding beetle? That was exactly, pretty cool. Yeah, we had the coach built beetle class, yeah, which was really cool. Exactly. But now this year, uh, Amelia Island, like the rest of the automotive industry, catching up with the electric cars so they actually had a class of uh, old cars i don't know if you had the chance to see all of them and there was one from 1904 i think it was the it's, oldest one right no, i think it's 1895 is the oldest oh yeah okay so yeah. It, was a, it was like i think it was one of the very very first electric cars of all time so it was, it was cool to see those cars because they they were building them until the 20s yeah and then um we like fast forward let's say 50 years to 19, well, a little bit more, 79, where Volkswagen and actually the Tennessee Transportation Authority it was? It was, a trans it was the Tennessee Valley Authority and the Electric Power Research Institute did a study exactly. um, with 10 vehicles that they bought from Volkswagen uh, in Germany. And five of them were electro transporters and five of them were electro buses, basically. So they were, um, they took a regular bus, put a 23, um, uh, volt, 20, sorry, 23 horsepower electric motor in there instead of the engine and put 24 lead acid batteries in there with 72 And made cells. it really heavy. <laughs> and made it incredibly heavy and very slow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it was an experiment because it was during the old crisis of the 70s. So I guess manufacturers and, uh, and governments, everybody was trying to figure out how we could survive without oil, right? Exactly. So, you know, at the time, I think all the major manufacturers were looking at alternative sort of... Uh, sources of motion I guess and and you know at the time they went back to what they were doing back in the early 19th sorry late 19th century early 20th century so you got the lead acid batteries driving an electric motor yeah and you know the car had NASA tested it has a range of like 35 miles in, in actual use and 44 mile an hour top speed which is not exactly fast but but it moves <laughs> but, it, but it moved but I guess the thing I think the thing that's happened is you know in the inter in the intervening years you know, the lithium-ion battery has enabled you to get the kind of range and, and reliability 
that makes an electric motor seem like a sensible choice to power a car. Yeah. So though that was an experiment, never came to the production or anything, but then like the evolution kept kept coming. Now, um, 2021, I think to, to me, I mean, I think maybe to the whole automotive industry, I don't know if it's the same feeling for you, but I believe, I feel like this year has been the tipping point in which we're, going, we're seeing a lot more models from major manufacturers, not only Tesla anymore, and everybody is like presenting new cars and like including the ID4 that we're sitting in right, right now. Is that, that's what you feel too? I think so. I think the only thing in the States at the moment is like when a consumer is really going to adopt them in mass. But, you know, we're seeing very good pickup on the ID4. I think Ford's had pretty good sales on, on the marquee. I think it's one of those things where once people drive them. Yeah, that it, changes their mind. That changes their mind, but you've got to get them into it because they're quirky to start with. You know, they, they you have to plug them in. That's different to a regular car. And they're quiet and all that kind of stuff. But I think... You know, you have to look at two major factors. So if you look around the world, you have greenhouse gas emission regulation or regulations in China against pollution. So that's, you know, forcing the pace of electric cars. And then I think in the States, you'll see the California proposed fuel regular, fuel economy regulations become the Biden administration's sort of de facto um, way of uh, governing fuel economy in yeah. the future. And I think if that sticks, then I think, you know, Manufacturers are going to have to promote them more. Um, I think Biden administration will keep the federal tax credit in place for, for a number of years. And, you know, I think once people get in them, they really like them. I ran an e-golf for three or four months and I was like... Oh, yeah, I remember that one. For a commuter car, it's just fantastic. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So I, 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 think, I think this year, next year, you're going to start to see a lot more cars on sale and I think you'll see a lot more adoption by consumers. Yeah, another thing that uh, caught my attention last week, a uh, headline, uh, well, a story actually I read on the Wall Street Journal, is like the, for, the, for the first time, investing, investing banks are putting more money in EV technology than in all base technology. So that, that tells you something too, because if the money is behind it, it's going to happen, uh, well, right? Yeah, I mean, our CEO, uh, Scott Keogh, was saying that the other day, it's like, If, if you see the money start to go after something, you know yeah, something's happening. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. I mean, like, there's no reverse to that. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of reverse, though, is like yesterday during the events here on Amelia Island, you have some of the classic uh, cars from the, the, your own collection, right? The Volkswagen America collection. And I had the chance to drive the Old Beetle 1964, I think it was. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful car. <laughs> no AC, though. <laughs> And it was a little warm here. Well, it's funny because all three cars we had here, so we had the, the Thing and the Manx and the Beetle, they're all rear-engined. And yeah. the ID4 goes a little bit back to that because it's rear-engined, it's got a rear motor, it's rear-wheel yeah. drive. So it's like, oh, everything comes full circle in the end. I mean, I was, I was going to, when I had a little chat earlier with at the concourse, I was going to remind people that, you know, the first car to do 60 miles an hour was actually an electric car in 1899. So, yeah. you know, the idea that, electric cars are something new it's it's really just a reinvention of, of an old technology but with you know the ability to make it work for everyday people and i think once you get to 250 300 mile range and you've got the sweet spot of the pricing with the credit where you're in the sort of low 30s yeah I, I, there's no reason why you wouldn't buy one i mean my, my wife is like when, when can i get an electric car i mean she I literally know. is Actually, I have introduced uh, uh, these cars to a couple of my neighbors. One already bought one. He is really happy with it. Uh, another one is, uh, I think he put his order. It's, it's, it's been built for now in Germany, right? 
correct, yeah. And like talking about like completing the circles <laughs> as you were talking before, going back to the electoral transporter is pretty near Chattanooga where it, it began the, the experiment, right? Yeah, apparently they ran them out of Chattanooga. So oh. there's a great full circle. The, the TBA ran the cars out of Chattanooga and we'll be building the ID4 in Chattanooga. I mean, we'll start selling it out of Chattanooga end of next year, but we've already started doing pilot builds. And, you know, we, there's an SKI battery factory uh, or cell factory in Georgia that will supply the cells. We'll build the batteries in the factory And then obviously those batteries become the basic sort of platform of the cars. So I've already been down there. There's a very, very shiny new $800 million facility for building the yeah. ID4. And it's, um, it's pretty impressive. I mean, there's a lot of uh, expensive robots in there and <laughs> okay. so on. So it's a really- So when, when that factory gets built, there's going to be another variant of the ID4, right? Yeah, so the current one's got an 82 kilowatt hour gross capacity battery and it's 39,995 base price. So uh, as of the end of next year, we'll be building one with a 62 kilowatt hour battery. So it'll have a shorter range, but it'll also cost about $35,000. And if you factor in the tax credit, you're in the 27s for a, a pretty good size compact SUV with decent amount of kit on it. So it, it, that would be a interesting. And, and again, you know, one thing about these cars is As the technology evolves, you'll see every kind of couple of years you get advances in the battery chemistry and yeah. the range will be a little bit better. Absolutely. So. Well, and then I have uh, to end the, the whole experience here at Amelia and I had the, the privilege to drive it during the parade. <laughs> They had a parade of EV cars. <laughs> you said it was the must have been the most boring drive of my life. It wasn't at all because everybody was talking to me during the five, ten minutes that I was waiting to get on stage and all that. Everybody's asking about it. Where can I get it? What is it? And all that. So there's a lot of interest in the car. Yeah, we've seen that. We actually bought um, one of our product specialists, you know, the people who walk, work the auto show floors along and she's been taking leads I mean people are coming up and they're genuinely interested in the car and I was I was kind of interested to see what would happen because obviously it's an old car show fundamentally but yeah. the people who have old cars also have new cars yeah and, I mean and, they don't drive these uh, collectibles every day well, I mean, <laughs> otherwise they wouldn't be in this condition and I also think they're also interested in, in, in what's the latest technology tech as well. yeah, you, know, yeah, yeah. You, you can see that in like the supercar world you know there's a big adoption with you know like la ferrari and stuff like that where you're getting the sort of hypercar technology mm -hmm. coming in and people who are you know into cars they appreciate cutting edge technology so i think that's something like an event like this is actually quite good for us because you know you're, you're seeing where you're not only seeing that element but you're also seeing where the next generation of enthusiasts is coming from too excellent so. well thank you very much again for the whole weekend here in amelia and really really enjoyed it Actually, I drove it from the airport here, which is 40, 45 minutes, and like, great experience. I mean, like the drive, the car drives really, really nice. The, the quietness of it, I think, is like what most. Um, besides the torque, the the the, the initial acceleration of the car i think the second thing that surprised most people is how quiet they are and like how comfortable that is yeah and i think that's an interesting thing i think one of the things that we we say about these the other thing is you've got these giant battery packs that live under floor and for um an suv it lowers the center of gravity so it enables you to do some stuff with the ride and handling so it gets yeah. a really nice comfortable ride which i think matches the nice you know the silent near silence of them until you get up to speed and the only Honestly, the thing that would make a huge difference is if NHTSA actually sort of grew up a little bit and allowed us to use rear-facing cameras because, you know, that you, you have these enormous mirrors 
which are a disaster aerodynamically, which again is disaster yeah, for electric cars. So if, if we were to go to cameras, rear view cameras, well, like, we'll probably get there sometime. <laughs> and that would that'd be just a great thing. And then then you then you would be at seventy mile an hour. You'd barely hear a Excellent. thing. So. Well, we hope to see that in the near future, and uh, maybe come back here for many, many, many years. And then to see these cars on the other side of the lawn. What do you think? <laughs> Maybe eventually. I think it'll be. I, I think it'll be. Well, Twenty-five years. Uh, the 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 age requirement for a car to enter here. I think it is. Yeah, I think I think when when we do some R models of things like the ID3 or whatever, then then you might you might see them in twenty-five years. Exactly. Well, thank you, thank you again, Mark, for everything, and uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. For more, check us out online at TotalCarscore.com.